Hey guys, welcome back to Behind the Net Podcast. This is episode 30. What'd you look at that? 30. 30. It's Michael, and uh, joined beside me is my co-host. Matthew, as always. And uh, we have a pretty special episode for you guys. Uh, two special guests are going to be joined on today's uh, podcast, Jordan Ciccelli and Haley McGoldrick. I had the Hi. pleasure of meeting both of them on Centennial College during our postgrad, and we all became fast friends. But these two ladies are super knowledgeable on their favorite sports and turned that love into a podcast called Ball Girls Podcast. So welcome to the show, Jordan and Haley. How's it going? Good. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah, awesome. no problem. And I do want to say, like, I love the podcast, uh, you two. Um, as soon as uh, Michael, he gave it a shout out in the podcast, uh, I think I started following you guys and then uh, started checking out the podcast. And it's it's really good. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you. that. No worries. Yes, yeah, so to all the listeners, please listen to their show mm-hmm. if you haven't already. Uh, they just released an episode. I want to say it was yesterday at the time of recording. Yes, you are correct. We we record Mondays, but we release on Tuesdays. Right. Okay. Nice, nice. They had a really good conversation. Uh, the name slipped in my mind, but I know he was uh, Brock McGillis. The... Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Brock McGillis. Uh, really good conversation with him. I I just listened to that yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We're super excited to be on your show. You guys are super knowledgeable in the hockey world, which is refreshing to see because Jordan and I, that is definitely not our area of expertise, but we try our best. Of course. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. No worries. And I'm same here. Like uh baseball is not our expertise either, but you guys are you guys always hit the the nail on the head when it comes to baseball, of course. Um uh and uh we'll have a good discussion here for sure. But enough about baseball. Let's talk about the one important <laughs> thing that's happened today. The Raptors. Their one year anniversary of the parade. Of course, as yes. I as I sit here with my Raptors championship shirt and hat on. Um, is it the uh, championship shirt? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sweet. I do have mine, but it's uh, in, in my closet somewhere. Nice, I'm nice. It. I, I gotta that, ask you. Oh, I remember that shirt was so hard to find when they first released them. Oh my them. gosh, I have to. My like, story. I went to like three different sports decks. I ordered it like the day after they won the championship, and it took like two months to ship. So oh, it was no. like I didn't even get to wear it during the, the championship period. Man. I got I lucky. Just... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'll go after you. I'll just go quickly. I was just at the Maple Leafs uh, Sport and Entertainment uh, at their store, and uh, I was at the line. It was really long, but I got kind of lucky getting a bunch. Nice. Yeah, no. I know somebody who paid like $80 for a hat, and then also just I saw the tweets today, and there was pictures of everyone at the parade wearing like their retro Raptors stuff just because like even if they didn't follow the Raptors heavily, that's all they had, and there was like a picture of some guy wearing his Jamario Moon jersey, and it just really (laughs) made my day. Nice, wow. nice. Yeah, I just wore my. I, I think I wore a throwback jersey that day. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Were you guys at the parade? Uh, what were what were your stories about it? If you haven't, I didn't do it. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I wanted to go so bad. Like I went after they won. I went downtown like at night when it was crazy. In like in front of Eden Center, they had like a bus. And yeah, I was there. Oh, that was that. insane. That, that was, was good. Insane, yeah. And then I wanted to re- like go to the actual parade with my mom. And then I slept in until maybe 10.30, I think. And by the time we looked at t- like the TV, there were so many crowds. I was like, I'm just not going now. My goodness. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember. Uh... Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I'm a Celtics fan, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that good. That does our. Sh- I'm kidding. <laughs> I get kicked off. I was going to say, joking, like. I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I remember I woke up so early and caught the first GO train out there, and I was already, like, it was probably, like, like six o'clock, but I saw, like, people were already lining up at um, Nathan Phillips Square, so I was like, okay, I'm not going there. So I went straight to right outside the Scotiabank Arena, and I actually got a pretty good spot but michael i know you uh actually went to nathan phillips square yes and uh i made a terrible mistake of going there because of the fact that the parade took so long like oh, yeah, yeah and it was uh the place the spot that i was in was uh in completely exposed by the sun uh no spots to sit down and if i tried to move away i would have truly lost my spot but i did wasn't there, uh, huh wasn't there a shooting there yeah Mm-hmm. yeah that's a whole oh, yeah, other story there <laughs> yeah i did move away from there uh before that happened thankfully uh because when i got to work that day everyone was like oh my god there's a shooting uh did what happened did you hear about it? i was like no i just got here what happened <laughs> i'm glad you're safe yeah, yeah i remember that Ooh. it was crazy because uh, michael you got lucky because i think it, it actually like the incident happened at nathan phillips square but mm-hmm. it created like a ripple effect like around the area like all the way down to i think young dundas square um, I was in the Eaton Center and people were like running for their life and everyone got scared. So everyone kind of evacuated. It was insane. Yeah, it was in the opposite area from where I was standing. So thankfully, it wasn't too close to it. But I can tell you right now, if I was actually there, I would have been freaked out, like terrified. Oh, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, a, a memorable day in Toronto sports history, for sure. And an exciting day. And it had the last laugh. <laughs> of course reigning nba champs into june 2020 who would have thought longest Not reigning me. nba champs might I add. <laughs> yeah continually yeah. making history oh yeah every sport's making history the leafs have a chance in june folks <laughs> let's get it <laughs> let's go boys <laughs> um but yeah with that uh we have some questions michael you want to get into those uh, yes of course um I mean, we could we could talk about the MLB negotiations, mm-hmm. but we're just going to hold off on that talk for just a second. I just want to get to know you guys a little bit yeah. more. I'm surprised I didn't ask you this uh, when we were meeting in person, but uh, when did you first want to get into sports media? Do you want to take it away, Haley? Um, mine was like kind of uh, like a fluke almost. Not that like I always played sports growing up. I played soccer for 15 years. I played basketball for 10 years. So sports were always in my I just didn't really know what I wanted to do with sports like I didn't really have a passion when I was a kid I wanted to be like a veterinarian but I have a super weak stomach and like can't handle blood so I don't know what was going on with that and then when I got into high school I just like didn't really know what I was going to do so I went into kinesiology because I was like well it kind of has to do with sports like I could be like an athletic trainer or something but it wasn't really like my passion and then when I was in my third year I don't know what happened. I was just like looking up positions to like get involved. I wasn't really involved in my first and second year at Laurier. So I wanted to get more involved. So I kind of looked up into like sports and there was this club called Sports Management Laurier and they were hiring a sports journalist. So I applied and I got the role. And then also I started writing for Laurier's paper, The Cord, and mm-hmm. I started volunteering for their sports section. And then in my fourth year, I got hired by Laurier Athletics. I like moved up in Sports Management Laurier. I moved up on the paper. I did a bunch of other stuff. I was on like the Women's Athletic Association and I really loved what I did. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. And here we are. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. That is. And awesome. how do you end up at Centennial? Uh, then I'll go on to Jordan. Oh, Jordan. I think he was asking you first. <laughs> oh, I am. Um, oh, my bad. I literally am like hard of hearing. I apologize. Okay. I, uh, I think I was just looking up sports journalism post grad because I was like, well, I'm gonna have a degree in science, so I've got to do something else to kind of like build some sort of academic credibility in sports media. You know, nobody really is just gonna hire you. I mean, I did a lot of extracurriculars, Lori, but still, I was. Mm-hmm. So I think I just like looked it up, like sports journalism post-grad and then I saw Centennial and I was like oh okay this works that's awesome. I felt the same way about that when I was applying for Centennial and uh gotta say early returns not bad yeah <laughs> so far so good yeah what about you Jordan same thing uh how'd you get into sports media and how'd you end up at Centennial uh so yeah just like Haley I played sports growing up softball hockey um so I ended up going to Brock for sport management shout out Kyle Dubas and he literally was just the face of the whole program so i think that's mostly why i went to brock um and then i didn't know really what i wanted to do it's even thinking like event management maybe just something related to sports but yeah i didn't really think much about sport media until second or third year and then i realized ryerson had a program and i never heard about it um but then by that time like my marks from first year kind of were can I swear on here? They were shit. Um, yeah, yeah, no worries. So I couldn't transfer over anything. Uh, so yeah, just continued going and then thought about even just doing community programming instead of having to go back to school over again. I entered at MLSC uh, right before the Raptors won, so I did not get anything from that, sadly. But um, yeah, no, I entered there and then I was able to help produce uh, like an interview it was actually with Sarah Nurse that the Leafs Nation Network was doing. I job shattered Angela Sue. She's the producer for them. Um, but yeah, no, once I got to help with that, I realized that I wanted to stick with sport media in some sense. That's like I would be jealous if I never got a job in that pro in that like in this area kind of thing. It'd always be something I'd regret, I guess you could say. So uh yeah, and then I at the end of my internship, I could either try to find a job then or continue my schooling and then i just found centennial <laughs> that's awesome nice i gotta ask you the million dollar question that i'm sure some people are already thinking did you meet dubis at uh, brock okay not at, okay so not through brock it's actually funny his cousin uh drew he was in all my classes so i'm like i'm I'm not like best friends with him, but like I know Drew, his cousin. But um, I used to work for the Ice Dogs my first year, just doing ticketing. And I was up in the VIP suites for one game, and Kyle Dubas came in. So like I scanned his ticket. So I was kind of starstruck by that point. And then um, a bunch of people kept asking for his photo, and then I had to be the person that took the photo. So I kept talking to him throughout the night. So yeah, I did meet him, but not through Brock. <laughs> Interesting. That's a that's, that's actually, a cool story. That's awesome. I've yeah. never, never, that's the first I've heard of that one. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so now we, we do want to talk about baseball. And of course you guys are uh, very knowledgeable on baseball. So uh, we, we obviously the uh, current negotiations that are kind of happening between the MLB and the MLBPA um, have been kind of tough to watch for fans. <laughs> um, could you guys just explain it? I guess, how would you explain it to an outsider? What's been happening so far? Do you want to go Haley or do you want me to? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, like it's literally been the same thing over and over and over. So crazy, back in, yeah. 
Back in like what March, the players negotiated that they would take like a pay cut. Obviously, COVID, they knew that their season was going to be a little screwed. Spring training got cut short. So they negotiated. They were like, yeah, well, that's fine with us. We just want to play baseball. So then when there was talks of the season actually coming back, then the MLB was like, so you guys are going to take another pay cut. And they're all like, what? Like we didn't, (laughs) we already agreed to a pay cut. What do you mean another one? And then so now the proposals that are coming out are literally the same like percentage of pay versus games just in different formats. It's like 72 games with a 33% prorated pay or 50 games with a 50% prorated pay or like 80 games with like a sliding. Oh my God. It's just like they keep giving the same thing and the players are like, no, we don't want this. And then they're like, okay, we'll come back. And they just keep coming back with the same thing that they know the players are not going to agree to. And then the MLB put out a statement saying like, or the commissioner put out a statement being like, I'm not confident that there's going to be baseball. This is good. This is fine. Feel the same way about that. That makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And mm-hmm. it's just frustrating too, because a lot of these, uh, these uh, proposals have been very much in favor of the owners. And oh, obviously yeah. the players want to play and they, we've been seeing a bunch of tweets. These like where and when, but these these owners, at least from what the perspective of the media has been showing, is that they're trying to save as much money as they possibly can. And in some ways, it makes sense because they're losing money because of COVID and they can't pay the players fully since they're not going to play all the games. But the players' perspective, they want to play and they need to be paid rightfully so because their health's being put on the line. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, the MLB just signed a billion-dollar deal with Turner Sports. So, like, you have enough money to pay your players i know like technically the owners are separate from the mlb in general but like mlb if you want to make money from your players give your organizations money then so that you can have a season Mm -hmm. i definitely think it's frustrating this to watch like either as a fan or just anyone in sports right now um because these are billionaire owners and uh, like it's just like they they should be paying their players anyways and it shouldn't even be this hard of a negotiation really 100 percent like Think about like any person, like if you're being asked to work during a pandemic, why would you agree to work at a lower pay cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they already did. That's the they, worst part. They literally already did. And they then they're should asking be getting, to like, be cut more. They should be getting a bonus, if anything, for playing through a pandemic. It's yeah. just mm-hmm. nuts. And then it's so weird because so many people are just saying, like, I don't get how so many people keep saying that players are greedy after you see like the Turner television uh, deal come out and then you can just see how much these owners make and then people still have like they still think players are greedy it just it's nuts for, yeah, for sure yeah so yeah. we we pretty much covered all the key pretty much most of the key issues that are preventing the two sides from uh reaching this agreement uh, today we did see some uh pros- pro- progress towards reaching that goal although oh. it was from <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was from a questionable source in John Heyman. I'm so sorry, oh John. My God. But, but we are slowly getting closer to somewhat of a resolution. But we have we have to ask the question: If these two parties do reach an agreement, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge that the league could face? I think, well, even just beyond the season and playing, you have a new collective bargaining agreement that runs up at the end of this year or next year, I believe. Mm-hmm. I forget which one, but like just how both like the 
MLBPA and MLB are just handling things, that's going to be so much harder down the line for them to work together towards that new CBA. So I think it just honestly just tarnishes the whole relationship. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, do you think there's a side more at fault for the uh, lack of progress right now? Owners. Owners. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Like you're talking about a sport where you literally have to pay a luxury tax because there's no salary cap. So you can literally pay any player basically as much as you want. And they're trying to like play poor me. I can't pay you. Like it's BS. For sure. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Think, so I was actually thinking about the CBA talks too, because if the, if the season doesn't happen and there's still a real chance that that could be the case, how much would the CBA talks be accelerated? like, Hey, we messed up with the 2020 season, never even getting off the ground. If we don't get this talks right, we're probably going to lose even more of the fan base that's already leaving. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially if they're already losing money this season. Like, they're not going to want to negotiate higher. Not that they're negotiating individual salaries, but, like, kind of protected pay, I'm sure, players are going to look to in the future because of something like this. They're going to make sure their salaries are protected because, like, like you said, they're putting their health on the line if they do come back. And they have families and friends that they want to live for and they're not just going to go play baseball for the love of the game which many fans think is like the reason like okay it's you know you don't train your whole life to make it to the leagues just for the love of the game that's how it starts but then it becomes a career path so you know they need to get paid at the end of the day so the cba i think is definitely gonna be harder to negotiate because the league already doesn't want to pay them and they're probably gonna keep this in mind when they're renegotiating of course of course and uh, I mean, like, if- oh, go ahead, Michael. No, no, go ahead. I was just thinking of something. <laughs> That's but- the problem with these online online podcasts where you can't see each other. But uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I was gonna ask, like, how at risk do you think it it is for like even for the MLB to start um losing like the fan support? Um, I feel like that's kind of at risk. Me and Michael have been talking about it. um. They they are slowly losing fan support here, and how at risk do you think the the league is? I think it's very at risk with it. Like it's a game that I grew up like that was my number one. It still is. But like the the thing that like I went to games with my parents, like Jay's games, like we travel to go to different stadiums. And the fact that like the potential that my future kids and I won't be able to do that, like is so disheartening. They don't do much like it's it's all money talk, honestly. And like they don't do much to actually bring in new um, generations of the game. They even just cut minor league associations they cut down from 40 rounds to five rounds for the draft like they're making it very difficult for kids to even want to stay in when there's little opportunity to actually grow Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, for sure that makes a lot of sense too because like we we think i think back to 1994 and how much of that tarnished the image of the mlb for many years and although that's the league somewhat recovered from it uh years later this could really put it, take a step back for a league that's uh, that's already being have a reputation for being too slow and having uh, players that uh, don't seem as very interesting, even though there are some interesting characters. And <laughs> when we when we see, see do see interesting characters, they get shamed for uh, not respecting the game. Oh my god! <laughs> Bat flip all you want. <laughs> I'd rather get punched and made and knocked out in October. I'll put it, tell you that much. Oh man. <laughs> you bring back memories here that that we spoke about before, actually. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, 
I mean, the 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 golden question here is, uh, what are the odds baseball comes back as of right now? What do you guys think the odds are? I or I think it will come back. Like many negotiations, you see that like for instance like they'll be like hey like if this doesn't happen like this is it like i don't see this happening and and the ugh, sorry at the end of the day like it ends up happening like within the next few days if a negotiation isn't reached like whatever so yeah i think it's gonna come back but yeah me too i just, just like at the end of the day if they're so money hungry they're not gonna just forfeit a whole season and lose everything versus playing a shorter amount of games and still losing money, but not losing as much money as they would if they don't play at all. So I'm sure it'll come back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I was going to ask, well, what, what, what kind of format would you guys like to see if they come back? Like ideally. Oh God. I don't even know. <laughs> like, um, I, well, God, I don't even I don't even know what the talks are anymore just because unless me and Haley said on our podcast, unless we see a statement on it coming yeah. back in the format, we haven't been really looking at it as much anymore. Yeah. Um, I kind of found it was interesting at the very beginning of all these talks that when they were thinking about putting them in geographic location and then talking about playoffs being a thick playoffs were extended and then you could pick who you played. I thought that was pretty cool, but it probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's usually baseball is like such a long season. So like to try and condense that, like it's very physically taxing on players if they have to play, you know, 80 games or right? talk because I'm pretty sure the end goal is to still like end in October. Baseball is an outdoor sport. You can't be going into the winter in some cities. But I just yeah, I don't really know what format would benefit truly because for the most part, they're all kind of the same. They, I, I don't think they're really changing the playoff format. I think they're basically just the closer they get to July 15th or whatever is supposed to be opening day, they're like, well, we can't play 80 games anymore because we didn't get a contract, so now we're down to 50 type deal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. And I would imagine that uh, just because of the fact that they've lost so much money, there is a possibility for an expanded playoffs only because they just hey we need the money and we since there's not going to be enough teams uh, like like because of the fact that we had couldn't start the season till this late in the year, but uh, I would imagine that uh, any team like let's say the Dodgers or the Yankees that had championship aspirations this year, although there might be some tainted uh, pass, uh, <laughs> well yeah. I, I imagine that they're uh, probably a little bit uh, we want the season to start now the longer it takes like they're. Uh, like maybe their momentum gets grinded to a halt, even though let's let's not be honest, there isn't any momentum. Yeah, literally. And I, I like your point about like uh how it's hard to like kind of stay tuned into the whole negotiations right now because I feel like I mean, as we've seen today, there's just a whole lot of miscommunication and reporting and things like that. And it's even hard to kind of get where both sides are at the current moment. So Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, until I get an official statement from the clown himself, then I'm just gonna sit back and eat popcorn. <laughs> yeah, literally. For sure. <laughs> and now here's my question. When do you think Rob Ramford is going to change his calculations on how confident he is the season's gonna fail? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, tomorrow by three twenty six PM. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe tonight after he has supper. Um I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Just for anyone who doesn't know the context, uh, about six or seven days ago, Rotman Fred had said in a statement, he's 100% confident baseball is coming back. And then five days after that comment was made, he backtracked that statement by saying, now I'm not so sure baseball is coming back. I'm not so confident. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just trying to think about how he would say it in his voice. Like, he sounds like he has a raspy voice. Like, I'm not so confident. Oh my gosh. Just Is that crazy. how he talks? Honestly, it just sounds like birds squawking when I hear him talk. It's so, oh my God. Gary Bettman looks <laughs> I, like a better man to me than him. So, I, that, that reminds me of like, I just see people tweeting like the power rankings for commissioners now. And that's so funny <laughs> that I see Gary Bettman um, ahead of uh, Manfred now. Uh, like, I think Goodell's ahead of him yeah, too. That's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, There's one I saw where Adam Silver was below Gary Bevan, and I just like, mm. no, I don't think so. Mm-mm. I wouldn't. Did agree you block that, that person? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't block people. Funny enough, I don't like to block people. I feel like that gives them the satisfaction because, hey, oh. I disrupted right first, hurt this guy so much, he blocked me. Yep, fair enough. That's fair. I mean. I, I think uh, I think it goes both ways though. Some there are just a lot of Twitter trolls who just don't. I don't you you don't even want to give give them a piece of your mind anyway. So a block is the easiest way, if anything. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> and if only it was so much easier that they don't have to see. Hey, you've been blocked. Sure. That would make it so much easier. But uh, that actually does remind me, uh, you two have have had a fair share of men in sports or just men in general doubting your knowledge and expertise in sports and of course it's just terrible that you have to put up with it but how have you been able to keep up with like be able to handle all of it without uh losing your sanity do you want to go first Haley? oh i mean like poor jordan deals with it more than i do the like upside of looking like shrek and susan boyle's love child is that people like leave me alone for the most part nobody really comes for me i just kind of like live my life and I like, you know, I don't say anything for Jordan gets harassed on the daily. I just like jump in because I don't like when people are talking shit about my best friend. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Twitter trolls have no life. And I think you kind of got to keep that in the back of your head when you're saying things like you literally can make the most valid point in the world and they'll just talk in circles. So mm-hmm. it's just like sometimes like we're saying, that's why sometimes you got to hit the block. But even like the worst I find is in like your dating life. And I know Jordan deals with this too. She can talk about her own experiences, but like, you know, everyone who knows me knows I love Ohio state football. My dad's from Columbus. It's what I grew up on. And in Canada, not a lot of people watch college football. So, you know, people find that out and they immediately just start like attacking me. And they're like, you don't know anything. I'm like, you literally don't know me. So who are are you to say this? You quite literally do not know me, Todd from Hinge. So please don't make assumptions. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what, and like, I'm not saying all men, because obviously there are wonderful men in our lives like you guys, but I don't know why some men were born and then thought, you know what? (laughs) I was put on this earth to tell women they're wrong about sports. Like, what, who, who gave you the right to tell me I'm wrong? Not that I value your opinion anyways, but like, in, in what capacity do you have the authority to be like, you know what? Your opinion is not correct. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand the mm-hmm. thought process there of just yelling at random women that you clearly were interested in if you matched, but like, <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't understand. I could go on about this forever, but it truly is just mind boggling. 
because I'm like, if you're trying to date a girl, what about it wants you to like jump down their throat and yell at them? And then once you fight for like half an hour and then they quote unquote prove themselves again, where is your authority? Whatever. And then you're like, oh, so you you actually do like the Jays. That's hot. Like, I literally hate you now. So goodbye, Todd from me. See you never. Yeah, it's like about the same with me. Mm -hmm. Like, now I don't even have to worry about it because I've exposed people so much. I think that's what really drives my passion with this. But, um, (laughs) like, I get DMs from guys, like, still on Twitter. It just happened today. Like, such a mess. I ended up deleting the tweet after I got 700 likes of this guy getting roasted. But... Like, I'll sh- like example today, like I talked about um, supporting the National Women's Hockey League. And this guy's like, how have you ever supported them? Like, shit like that, saying, like, how many games have you gone to? And I'm like, dude, we just got a team two months ago. When would I have gone? Like, do you want me to go across the border to go watch a game? Like, no, like, just support the league. Went down on, like, not, sorry, my God, that's on <laughs> Went off on me. <laughs> it's so bad but like, I get messages from girls saying like girls that are in the industry saying like thank you for actually like bringing awareness to it even though it's like satire how you're saying it like you're making conversation about it and like guys will say like I didn't even realize like that's a bad thing to say like thank you for opening like my eyes to it and like I just have no remorse when I call people out on their shit if, if you're a girl doing it too I'll call you out on it but oh like we get it you want to be a girl's guy we hope he sees this <laughs> yeah it's just because i see like how other girls like today there was a friend of mine she's been getting put down she does college football she's been getting put down because of how she looks like she's a good looking girl but like people are focusing more about that than her like articles and her shit talking and like, how she does her journalism but just like seeing how upset that, like upsetting that is for the, like other girls like i just kind of want to shut these guys up <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly yeah um like Haley's point like i really uh uh like your point really hit uh off uh like like i, I really i really res- resonated with your uh point because um like it's just so true like i don't get why guys feel the need to gatekeep like i see it all the time and obviously with uh, jordan like a lot of your tweets have been going viral um with about about that and like uh the more i see it it's just like i don't get what goes through these guys heads because I mean, first, like, like Haley, like how, how you were mentioning, um, if you're trying to date the girl, like, why do you feel the need to like kind of tell them off or kind of gatekeep sports, which is something that should be like a, uh, like, like I guess a thing to bond over, if anything. And exactly. I, I don't get why, you know, feeling the need to gatekeep or feel superior in something that, you know, it doesn't even matter. Like, it, let's say one person is less knowledgeable than the other like what does it even matter if you if you want to date them or be friends with them or anything like that like why don't you like try to i I mean if anything just instead of judging them like just try to grow and learn about it together rather than you know like i don't don't get that like gatekeeping Uh, and and you're so right and uh i mean i see like your tweets and um like it's it's terrible what a lot of girls have to go through like because these guys are just trolls like simply put i don't even know why they feel the need to do that and it's crazy. It's crazy what you guys have to go through yeah. because, yeah, I definitely would, I would definitely would lose my sanity if I had to go through that. Yeah, I just don't get it. And like, girls would never do that. Like, I even think just an example. Mm-hmm. So like, 
when we were on our school trip to Tampa on the Monday, it was Bachelor Monday and like Jordan and Jake were watching The Bachelor. And I'm not like, whoa, 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 guys, come on. Like, you can't <laughs> watch <in> the name. <laughs> who, who came in sixth on Nick Vile's season? Um, if you can't name that, then sorry, you can't watch The Bachelor. First of all, who am I to tell them they can't do anything? Second of all, like, that's just so ridiculous to me. Like, if I enjoy something, I want my friends to enjoy it also. And like, I would want my partner to enjoy it. I just, guys kind of, in a sense, again, not all men thing, but I feel like in a sense, some guys just like girls who like guys who like sports, like in the sense that they'll just like tag along to a Jays game with you or like watch football with you and be like, oh my God, like what, what is a sack? Like, tell me all about this. Like when you actually kind of like know things, they're like threatened because it's their sacred place. Like I have my sacred places and I'm not going to be upset if somebody has knowledge into that. I think it's cool. Like I want to share those things. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the threat level to it. Like what, yeah, exactly. what is so threatening about me liking football? I don't, I just, it doesn't register in my mind. Yeah, like, I don't get why it's so sacred to some guys, because, like, I enjoy sports most when I'm with people, just people in general, you know, and uh, you can just talk about it and and whatnot, and, uh, I mean, like, I didn't even realize, I guess, I I didn't see how how much it happens, really, until, I think it was a first year sports media class I was in, it took, like, as an elective, and uh, I think we were discussing, like, women's sports, and and one guy piped up, uh, and basically, he was, like, you know, basically bashing that you know that, that that he was trying to drive home that stereotypical point that a lot of guys try to make that you know girls watch it for whatever the guys or whatever and like the whole class was just looking at him in disgust like <laughs> like he I, I just didn't get it because like so many of my friends they who are girls they uh they like know a lot more especially like about baseball and, and football those those two especially aren't my uh, you know my number one or two sports uh, and they know a lot more uh, and about that and like I go to them you know for questions and things like that and I don't get what's wrong with that and what's wrong even for these guys to feel like like they have to gatekeep uh, certain sports like that like I don't get it I just don't get it yeah no I think it definitely stems from like a place of insecurity I don't know like even though like there's guys who might be super confident in themselves. And so when it gets to that point, like I remember I was talking to this guy who I've known forever and we just got into like a fight about football because he's a USC fan. And he literally just like got so mad. And then he was like, we, we get it. Like have fun moving to Ohio. I was like, first of all, I never said I wanted to move to Ohio. I don't know who told you that, you know, I, my family's there. I love my family, but I'm not moving to Ohio anytime soon clear the rumors tmz i'm not moving to ohio (laughs) but they just get so angry about it i'm like what why and same with the notion too about women's sports or like female athletes that's what really drives me nuts like you can Mm -hmm. criticize me in sports media all you want whatever say you don't know anything or my opinions are trash whatever i don't care like i have thick skin but like putting down female athletes i'm like okay if you're so great you play diana tarasi one-on-one and then I'll see the results of that. Have fun. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, don't even get yeah, me like started today. on the people. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me just, say this. Okay. Let me just no. say this real quick. Don't even get me started on the people that I see on Twitter, obviously hiding behind, like, you know, uh, um, you know, a profile photo a of like a player of or something. Matthew. Yeah. Oh, send me there. my way. I'll find them. Where they're saying like, <laughs> oh, I see it more on like, uh, like NBA fans. Like they can take on like a WNBA player and things like that. Like, no, you can't. Like you probably, you probably get beat by the guy like at the, 
park or something. Yeah. Like, with the today when I tweeted about the NWHL, like some guys were still getting mad. They're like, nah, like I'll actually watch real hockey. And I'm like, dude, you're a be- like a bender on your beer league team that you play <laughs> Friday nights that you, you get no ice time at all. Like shut up with your fishbowl. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Honestly. You know what's funny? Well, it's not really funny, but uh, it was an I know. interesting observation. <laughs> On the WNBA Twitter post when they were announcing, hey, the season's coming back. Well, we're, look at, here's, the, here's some of the details. The very, the very first reply was a clip of Stephen A. Smith saying, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. And that pretty much drives home the point. For some reason, there are men who don't care about women's sports when clearly they are professional sports just the same. Yes, it might be a little bit different the way they play, the way it looks, but it's still sports. Isn't that what sports are all about for entertainment? The people that hate women's sports the most are the guys that couldn't even play against a female athlete and come near beating them. Like, yeah, it's, it's the guys that were picked <laughs> last in gym class. <laughs> it's truly, yeah, it's guy like literally some guy who sits on his couch in his mom's basement behind a picture of like Tony Romo and is like you know nobody cares it's like okay that's why like it again it's not funny but it's funny like so many people idolize kobe bryant and i'm like okay well kobe bryant was a huge advocate for women's sports he had daughters like gianna was an amazing basketball player he saw the worth he like was a mentor to sabrina Ionescu. like he loved women's sports and so you're gonna sit here and say they're not worthy well one of the best players in basketball is a huge advocate or was a huge advocate for the WNBA. So what does that say about the talent in that league? Same with the NWHL, same with the NWSL. Jordan and I were talking about this on Monday. Like literally the best players in women's soccer all play in the NWSL. So you can't tell me that nobody watches the NWSL because that's a league Christine Sinclair plays in. That's a league that Sydney LaRue plays in. That's a league that Alex Morgan plays in. Like people are watching that soccer. Thank you. (laughs) Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're on that topic, though, uh, since we're talking about the leagues, uh, I, I, I'm just going to pull out a uh, a question that we got from uh, one of our friends on Twitter, uh, Omar, TikTok Omar. But he's asking, uh, I mean, I, I want to make this a little bigger, but uh, he, he asked, what's the next big step for the NWHL? But, I mean, I feel like while we're on the topic, what do you guys think the next step for, I guess, as well, women's sports to uh, – what, what what's the next step for them to kind of – keep uh keep keep trending upwards and and rising i think the biggest thing like i'll just say the nwhl uh just going off that point just for example but i think you need like the major leagues like showcasing the talent more and supporting women's teams um for instance with uh hockey you have the khl they support their women's teams real good they promote them on their networks they use the same facilities and trainers and stuff like that I, like we've seen it recently from the past two, I think it was yeah, past two mm-hmm. NHL All Star games. Uh, we see like we've seen the women's talent. This year was it a three on three tournament? I think U.S. and Canada, something like that. Yeah. Um, they like they've been marketing them a lot more, and it's great because they're actually getting exposure. But like I think they just need to continue doing that. I think that's the big thing. It's the men's teams that have the platform just to support the women's. Mm-hmm. yeah but the thing is like male athletes are not insecure as who they are as human beings they do support women's athletes it's literally men who could not run like a 30 second 40 meter dash who are the ones criticizing female athletes like i just 
again, where is your authority to tell well, women? <laughs> it's not like criticizing. I just mean like the league itself. Like instead of the league having to work harder to get that recognition, not like recognition, but get exposure to grow their fan base. It's just I feel like they need the bigger leagues to kind of like give them that lending hand. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree mm-hmm. with you. I'm saying like for those kind of leagues, like the, the NBA literally gives a million dollars from each team to the WNBA. Like they're half the reason why they want the NHL should be getting more behind the NWHL. I'm pretty sure MLS and NWSL kind of have an agreement. Cause I know like Orlando pride and inter Miami FC and whatever the men's Orlando team is, they're irrelevant. They all like play at the same facility and stuff like that. Honestly, women's soccer in America, especially is like so much more prominent than men's soccer. Like I enjoy TFC and stuff like that. But if I'm watching men's soccer, I'm watching Bundesliga or Premier League or La Liga or Serie A. Like, I'm not watching. I do watch TFC, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. It has, to be, it has to be exposure from the leagues, but also players, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think it would be cool to have a lot of, like, programs. Like, they have junior NBA programs and stuff like that. Like, have them for bo- with both, like, men and women athletes together and kind of work together in a partnership. Like, it shouldn't really be men versus women. I don't, I don't get why there's kind of that divide. Like, they WNBA knows it's never going to have NBA viewership. Like no one's trying to pretend that's going to happen. For sure. And uh, I really like the, your point because uh, definitely that's what I think. Like we definitely just have to see more unity between, um, between both leagues and more like between uh, just between everyone. Because once you kind of break down that barrier of, you know, men's basketball, women's basketball, men's hockey, women's hockey, and you just see it as hockey or, Hey, if you or you could see it as you know they're played differently. So just watch them both as if you're watching, you know, like you know how you have interest in different sports. Just watch them with a different eye, even, but but support them just the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think that could be really great. And I mean, shout out. Uh, I know Jordan, your your tweet was uh, you know support the NWHL. Um, for any Toronto listeners listeners here, definitely shout out uh, the Toronto Six. Uh, me and Michael are definitely gonna go see a game uh this season hopefully um after this pandemic and everything is is done with and we're allowed to go watch games again yeah catch us outside (laughs) um yeah definitely support um support your local uh women's uh women's sports leagues and and teams absolutely uh just want to quickly mention though something i since you were talking about uh, women's soccer earlier uh it's quite ironic that uh, the men's soccer team, the best that they've done in the FIFA World Cup is the round of 16, and yet the women's uh, soccer team has a World Cup champion. Hmm. Oh, going off. <laughs> oh my God, no. I literally, my coworker was trying to, I think he was just trying to piss me off the other day because the friggin' like, lawsuit, the reason it was dismissed because it was basically like, okay, women, you work 10 times as hard as the men, you actually win World Cups, but due to the fact you actually win technically you even out and make the same money as men so there's no reason for you to be arguing like no they're arguing for the same base salary and then they should get those extra earnings because they actually win and they're not dog shit like i don't understand how nobody in the court of u.s soccer law is not seeing this like Mm -hmm. i just i don't get it it's like same with like even canada soccer like the men's canadian team have they even qualified for a world cup ever i literally don't know like, I think the last time was in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like Alfonso Davies is single-handedly reviving Canadian men's soccer because he has no competition. Because like, who else plays soccer who is Canadian? Nobody, because they're all garbage. Whereas like 
a bunch of Canadian, like pretty much every single player on the Canadian national team plays in the NWSL because they're all amazing. But like we said, like we're not trying to pit the NWSL and MLS against each other. Like Jordan knows we did a project about Christine Sinclair. Michael, you watched it. People were like, Mm -hmm. you know, Ronaldo would beat Christine Sinclair. I'm not like trying to say Christine Sinclair would beat Ronaldo. Like I, I never once said that. But she, the stats are stats. She is the leading scorer in the world, male or female, in international goals. Like, how can you dispute that? It's literally a fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I uh, want to point out that that was a really good presentation, uh, apart from some controversies that happened in the class. But uh, <laughs> it was a great presentation. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Of course. Um, but... Uh, I'll ask the next question. Don't worry. Yeah, go for um, it. But I mean, going back to uh, I guess everything that we talked about, you know, with the Twitter trolls and things like that. Um, what has helped you guys, I guess, stay focused on your journey, you know, in in spite of the, you know, the the the, the Twitter trolls and those things that happen. Jordan, um, yeah, sure. Um, well, I've been fortunate enough that by using my voice, I've been able to grow a platform that I can talk about things and a lot I've actually made connections with other people that I would have never if I never actually started speaking out about like stuff that matters about like women in sport like people down in the states have messaged me and stuff like that so like I've it's just de- like yeah like it gets straining to deal with the trolls but after exposing them uh, I feel a lot better by that when I find their actual real names online uh <laughs> But uh, honestly, just knowing that at the end of the day, like I'm just doing something that many women are kind of not many, but like a few women are scared to do. Like I have no problem speaking out against it. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for me, like I said, I poor Jordan, like literally she cannot exist on Twitter.com without being harassed (laughs) by hundreds of men. Like, I don't know how she does it. But for me, like I don't have to deal with that as much. But even just like being a woman in sports media, for me, it's like the people who matter, like support me and believe in my work. And that's what matters to me. Like one of my mentors is Shereen Ahmed and I love her. And she like is always there for me. And she's like, you're an amazing writer. Same with Caitlin McGrath, the uh, Blue Jays writer for The Athletic. Like she's another one of my mentors. Like even one of our professors, Shy, we had a thing after classes where you could just like talk to him for like 10 minutes. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, your writing's amazing. Like, you really didn't need this program. And I was like, hearing that from shy fucking Davidi, I'm like, okay, <laughs> literally nobody can say shit to me. Like, say whatever you want about me. Somebody who actually matters thinks I'm a good writer. That's all the assurance I need. Absolutely. And shout out, first of all, shout out to Shai Davidi, uh, awesome professor. And if you, if, if any of you listeners do want to go to Centennial for sports journalism, please do, because yeah. Shai Davidi is going to be your favorite professor. Oh my but, God. Uh, favorite human yeah Yeah. you guys you guys are just gonna uh convince me to to go to centennial sports for sports journalism because ever since i started ever since i started this ever since me and michael started this podcast like he's been (laughs) he's been promoting it low-key no truly like it's amazing (laughs) and it's so hands-on too because like even like just doing writing courses in my undergrad even though i was in science i like minored in english like it's just not the same like mm-hmm. this program is just amazing. You literally meet like your best friends. The experiences you have are incredible. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be looking into it. Um, yeah. I do want to, <laughs> I do want to, uh, I, I just want to shout out you guys. Uh, I saw your tweets today when, when, uh, when that guy 
kind of started, uh, you know, <laughs> talking all that trash uh, in response to Jordan's uh, NWHL uh, tweet. I, I yeah. love, I just love the uh, way the like the whole thing that's going on where you just like this you and you <laughs> you just expose them. I just find that so hilarious whenever I see that on Twitter. That was like perfectly said, executed. Like Jordan's my best friend. Like I would literally take a bullet for her. But I was just like, who is this man? Like first of all, he, he like the shirtless pick in the like dirt nasty point oh. Like we get it. You listen to Barstool, don't we all? But I was like scrolling through because I was like, is this just a troll who like replies to everyone? So I was scrolling through his profile and then I saw that and I was like, okay, you're gonna try and be big boy on campus when you're literally begging her to reply to your DMs. Like, doesn't fly with me. Sorry, sweetie. Like I ended up because I kind of felt bad. I was not expecting it to get 700 likes. Um, I felt really bad about that part because like, if it happened to me, I like I know I shouldn't feel bad about exposing the guy that was a total dick, but if it was me, I would I would be humiliated. So like I did reach out to the guy. Plus I also found out he lives near me. I think so. I wanted to clear my name on that. <laughs> um, he apologized, whatever. But yeah, just think before you speak. And just like he was saying that. It was a miscommunication. I'm like, well, you said I was annoying. So I don't know where the miscommunication is on that. Also, like, he turned it around in a week. He's like, yeah, that was like a week ago. Now I think she's annoying. I'm like, what? Big boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you guys kind of mended that up because I was going to add some salt to to his wound there because I was just looking at his (laughs) Twitter right now. And his last tweet was, (laughs) his last tweet is, Twitter's a terrible place one hour ago. (laughs) yeah i was like because like you don't know who's who on the internet so i'm like oh my god like he's gonna find me i'm gonna die i'm gonna do i'm gonna die so uh yeah no i was like you know what like i'm just gonna try to mend this a little mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah no yeah. that's good that's good um i guess i guess put that put that behind you guys now exactly yeah I just want to reiterate a point. Time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to hear a point that was made earlier in the show uh, and about why I think it's important to listen and uh, really take take in what uh, Haley and Jordan are saying. Uh, in sports, especially for me, my favorite is when there's more people I can talk to about it. And uh, this program was really opened my eyes to that. Because not only do I have a bunch of really good friends, uh, two of them happen to be women. And I think that's that's awesome. There has to be more women in sports. But the pro- the, pro- the sad reality is that in our program, besides you two, there's only three, it's like only one other girl in our program and that should tell you a lot about a class of like what 22 like but only three of them are women there should be more yeah well i think malcolm said that there was actually like way more women last i just don't know why this but even still i think there was only like 10 or something but i don't know like i feel like some women i keep like starting a sentence that's not going anywhere i love being michael scott um there was a there was a study that came out, I think it was by CBC News, about how like one out of three girls drop out of sports into their late teens because they just like, I don't know, they either feel like it's too masculine or they don't feel like it's for them or like guys make fun of them because they're playing sports, yada, yada, yada. It's just like, you definitely need to have a thick skin to be a woman in sports. And I think a lot of girls might be turned off from the program just because, you know, male, male dominated what? Sports are a male dominated field. So, you know, you think you're fighting for jobs against men. You're like, well, I'm never going to get it. But if you're good at what you do, your job should speak for itself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
like with all this like happening uh like with my twitter you see what goes on with it there have been young girls that are just like grade nine grade 10 a girl messaged me today like i've had people about to graduate high school in a few like in a year and they asked me like how do you like how did you get to where you are right now and like there are girls that are interested so like it's actually great because by me talking against these guys and like exposing them and making it known that there is an issue for females in the sport industry i I basically i just want to I don't want to sound like Gandhi right now, but like I want to make it like acceptable and like a more diverse industry for like young girls that have an interest. You know what I mean? So I thought mm-hmm. I'm okay right now. I can't even think, but yeah, for sure. And you guys, I mean, like a uh, huge shout out to you guys and, and with your podcast work and everything, you guys definitely are doing that. And uh, you might not see it maybe in numbers, but I'm sure um, people will definitely see your work and, and, see you guys uh and especially down the road and, and hopefully um be inspired by it thank you yeah we're hoping for that definitely we mm-hmm. want to be role models for, for other sure. women in the industry of course yeah and guys please uh don't it's not just jordan and Haley. there's countless other women mm-hmm. in sports that deserve to be listened to and, and deserve their respect because they're really good at what they do and i think if there's more women in sports to speak out uh and uh, put others in their place for uh not uh like, counting them continuing to count them out like we've been seeing time and time again uh i think it'll make the workplace much more inclusive than it already is and uh who knows maybe we'll see even more women in sports because i think at the end of the day when there's more people enjoying the sports we love i think that makes it better and that's what helps it grow mm-hmm. agreed 100 p 100 um i of course uh back back to your podcast we can't express how much we actually enjoy really listening to your podcast uh, every every week. Um, how did the podcast really come about between you guys? Um, well, we were always discussing it kind of. And then one day, so Jordan and I are always just like rats in class. Like we literally, we literally like are texting, DMing, whatever, because we know obviously if we're talking, sometimes we talk too, but then we get yelled at. So then we like text and DM. There's one class, I don't remember what the topic was, but we were being like absolute shit disturbers because somebody who won't be named was going off and like i literally was like losing my mind and then jordan like rolled her eyes and our professor saw and then he's like at one point he's like Haley and jordan can i speak to you guys after class and we were like oh, this is it we're done we're done we're being kicked out of the program like we were just like okay well this is the end of our life and then our prof was like you know, usually I try and separate you two because, like, we literally are one brain cell. Like, I've never connected with somebody so fast in my entire life. He's like, you know, I usually try to separate you two because if you can pick your groups, you guys always pick each other, and I want to see what you guys can do separately, yada, yada, yada. He's like, but for a podcast, because our next semester we're supposed to, like, actually do a podcast for Marks, he's like, I think it would be amazing if you two work together. Like, your personalities just mesh perfectly together. I think it would be. So we were like, okay, yeah. And then we kind of sat on it for a few months. And then quarantine happened. I think that was a major thing. We couldn't find a name. Yeah. Oh, my God. We were sitting on a name. We kept being like, empower her. The strike first. We were like, oh, my God. We finally found a name. And then once we found the name, it literally was like, go, go, go from there. That's awesome. The name is definitely the hardest part. Oh, my God. (laughs) Me and Michael were like trying to brainstorm for a while actually i think i remember but yeah we settled on something we were like we just have to settle on something yeah that was pretty much it i actually had to go to 
outside sources to get the name and uh that just tells you how hard it's come for the podcast names. Yeah. Like all the names are taken. They are. Oh, ours, I wanted to do the rebound hers, and I was like, yeah, that's great. And then it was taken. Well, okay, never mind. For sure. So now we're just girls with balls, ball girls. Now we're just the ball girls. <laughs> it's it's, it. it's 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 catchy though, and it's easy to um to remember, of course. So mm-hmm. that works. Mm-hmm. Our brand, thank you. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have to just talk about uh, just the, the work you guys have been doing, not just uh, on your Twitter pages, but this podcast as well. It's led to a lot of uh, positive responses from uh, the online sports community, which is really great to see. And uh, how much does that help you guys uh, continue to prove your doubt is wrong and keep grinding away, as someone who I will not mention usually says? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, it's weird because, like, I just ramble in my real life. Like, I notice there's sometimes I just keep talking and I don't think anyone's listening. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like verbal diarrhea. What's happening? <laughs> so a podcast is a nice outlet to have. And people responding well to it especially makes me happy because I hate the sound of my own voice. Like, it's truly a curse, especially as a journalist. Like, having to transcribe things is the bane of my existence. Especially because for some reason, after every question I ever ask somebody, I'm always like, Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. I would say 100%. So like, I guess like people listening and enjoying it and also agreeing with our thoughts. Again, not that I need validation from anyone because where's your authority from? But it's just nice to hear that like, you know, the trolls on the internet, you know, they're never going to go away. But people who actually genuinely like sports and work in sports, especially, I think that's the biggest thing. Like there's a guy who is an associate producer at MLB and he was like oh yeah I'm listening to your guys pod now and I was like (laughs) (laughs) don't listen to my baseball takes they're not good thank you that's awesome though because I think for I mean all all four of us like aspiring sports sports journalists uh that would be that's kind of the 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 people we're trying to aim aim towards in the end right even subconsciously you want to be noticed by uh (laughs) by those job opportunities and things like that exactly and like i said before like the people who matter as long as they like it that's all i care like mm-hmm. somebody every time we post on youtube somebody within like 30 seconds keeps giving it a thumbs down i'm like okay i will find you i will kill you <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> we're oh, not man. crazy we swear of course yeah. um but i think we'll wrap up here uh that was that was an amazing discussion honestly thank you guys for coming on really yeah, really enjoyed it just thank before you guys, you. yeah, thank you guys. Just before we go, we do have one more question uh, oh, from yes, our yes. Uh, from our chat. Like, yes, oh, and yeah. uh, every week on our podcast, we always ask our fans questions, and especially when we have uh, quality guests coming on the show. So, thank you everybody who did submit a question this week. Uh, we've already asked one earlier in the show, but we're going to ask one more from Juno at Juno the Leaf. Shout out to Juno. Love what you are you? Of course. What are you most concerned for and most excited for with regards to the 2014 playoff format, which I'm assuming is in reference to the NHL? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, um, honestly, it's just, I talked about it when Ezekiel Elliott just tested positive, but it's just for a player to contract COVID, contract, contract, Jesus, <laughs> to contract COVID. I think that's just the biggest thing for me that I'm worried about with everything coming back. Uh, 
like, yeah, the player can get it and just be asymptomatic. Nothing happens. But for instance, like heaven forbid, it's McDavid. He gets COVID. You don't know what that's going to do in his long term. That's going to cut down his whole hockey career. You know what I mean? So I think that's just my biggest fear with it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, even like, this sounds like really ignorant to say, but I don't mean it in ignorant, but like COVID aside, it's just a lot of hockey to be playing. Like the Stanley Cup already is one of the hardest trophies to win in sports. So adding a lot of extra games because you're including so many teams, like I feel like it's a lot of burnout for players as well. So, you know, higher risk of injury, things like that. Hockey is a very physical sport. Like I know the NBA is increasing their playoff too. Obviously you're running a lot in basketball, but you're not really, you know, unless you're committing a technical foul, like you're not really bumping into people 24 seven. Like it's just, I feel like it's again, going to be very physically taxing on the players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that they're all the playoff format is the playing round is five games for the teams. They're just trying to get into the last four spots. And yeah. then every other round is best of seven, which I mean, I understand you want to get make as much money as possible, but is it really worth it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's what? What month is it? June and we have Leafs hockey. It's going to be July. We have it's Leafs be July, playing hockey. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. July or even August, probably. Crud. As soon as those patios open, Molson Canadian sales through the roof. Through the <laughs> roof. This is a great marketing sure. opportunity, actually. Yeah. yeah. All these things like, you can come back outside now and drink stuff. Truly. Well, like, it makes me laugh because, as like, I work in spirits. So I'll see, like, the Coors Light cans with, like, the Raptors on it. I'm like, that's so much wasted marketing money because the Raptors aren't playing. But now, since everyone's back, re-up those marketing campaigns, people. We're going to make some moolah. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to make a capitalism joke, but I can't think of any. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I, I agree with you guys that uh, I think my biggest concern is that, uh, yeah, just the, the spread, the potential spread of COVID because we know how easily it could spread. So if like literally if just one player gets it, um, it could honestly, it could shut down the whole league again. And I was, I was like, before, before everything, I was like saying like, you know, we don't have to continue that, uh, like hockey and basketball and all the sports, like, because I think the main priority in the end is just the concern for player safety, but this is the path they chose to go with. So I just hope that I really hope that they don't, uh, like no player ends up contracting it. Hopefully like. For instance, Toronto, God, we just went back up with our cases today. And, like, that's one of the hub cities they're thinking of, right? It's not mm-hmm. confirmed, though, I don't think. Uh, like, no. you have hotels all around, like, downtown by Scotiabank Arena. But issue with COVID here, like, everywhere else, but our, we have high numbers of cases. So, I don't know. It's just, it sits weird. For sure. But, yeah. But hopefully uh, there is a resolution with where the hub cities are. I know one of them for sure is going to be Vegas, but Vegas is kind of looking like there might bing be more things too. Bada bing, bada boom. With all the people <laughs> going to casinos uh, with no mask on, just like everything was a few months ago. I'm not sure if Vegas might be the best option, but I mean, there's two cities up north in uh, Calgary, in, in Edmonton and Vancouver that might make more sense just because, well, at least for want for Edmonton, it's so far away from civilization and it's much more easier to contain the players just because it's uh, the COVID situation in Edmonton, at least as far as I know, is much better than it is in Toronto. But oh, yeah. it's like a lot of cities uh, in the NHL, like uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg, 
where it's you have to really convince the players to want to go there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Like imagine spending extended time in Edmonton when you don't when you haven't grown up there. Or Winnipeg. I was gonna oh. say <laughs> Owen and Kellen have entered the chat. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to those two. Shout out to all our friends. Berta boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, shout out to everyone in our program. You all are, are beautiful people. Well, most people in our program. The shade. <laughs> I feel I feel so outside of it right now, but it's okay. It's okay. You're like an honorary member. It's okay. <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna tell everyone that Matt's starting shit in the program. Oh, yeah, man. they're gonna be like who? <laughs> they're gonna be like who? And they're gonna unfollow me on Twitter because I'm pretty who? sure I fall. I probably follow a few of them. <laughs> Only the, <laughs> Only the good ones. Only the good ones. But yeah, I think, uh, Michael, do you have any other questions? I don't think I have any other questions, but I do just want to say, you two, thank you so much for coming on mm -hmm. the show. Thank, thank you, you so much for sharing all your insight and knowledge. Thank you for being two of my favorite people in the program. And just thank you for again for coming on. Oh, thank you guys for having us. And thank you both for existing. You're great. Oh. Thank we you. Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you both for coming on. Honestly, I it was it was a fun discussion, really. Just uh it was awesome. Thank Good you. Good chat with the lads. Good chat with me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's good in it. In it. In it. In it, bruv. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Um but yeah. So uh with that, I guess uh thanks for coming on and uh We'll take a we'll take a break right now in the podcast and then come back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um so we're back and uh that was just a great discussion, honestly, with both uh, Jordan and Haley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I told them this uh, after we finished recording, but I wanted to read it with everybody else. That was by far the most entertaining discussion we've ever had, and I really enjoy it. Like, those, like, I, those are my two favorite people in the program, and just getting a chance to talk sports with them or just anything in general is always a blast. So thank you guys again for coming on. Mm, that was my first time uh, getting to speak with them uh of course, I, I follow them both on Twitter, and we've been following each other for a while. And um, I've, I've been checking out their uh, podcast as well. And, uh, yeah, big shout-out to their podcast, first and foremost. Ma guys, make sure, uh, listeners, that you guys go uh, listen to their podcast. It's uh, it's called Ball Girls. Uh, well, it's just called Ball Girls. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, you can find it on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, I think also on YouTube, they have a YouTube channel. So uh, yeah. check it out. Check it out there. We'll even put um, we'll put we'll put a couple links in the uh, description for this episode as well. And follow them yeah. both on Twitter. We'll put their um, their 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 links in the uh, in the bio. Yeah. And as I said uh, just before we started our discussion with them, uh, they had a great uh, conversation with Brock McGillis. Uh, that was on their most recent podcast, and I listened to it to myself. Mm -hmm. And again, I really enjoyed the discussion. I thought it was really good. So you guys should definitely check it out. Uh, it's quite, it's worth a listen. So uh, perfect. So now we are just going to wrap up the podcast very soon. But uh, the very last thing we're going to do is, uh, of course, our redraft of the 2014 NHL entry draft. Um, as always, we've been covering uh, all the way from the 2010 draft, and we're going to go up to the uh, 2017 draft. So uh, 
we will start as always how we do it is uh one of us will have the first pick and then we'll just keep uh, alternating between that and just draft the first 10 uh picks in that draft so this one's mm-hmm. 2014 and i believe i chose first uh last week which was the 2013 nhl draft um and i picked mckinnon first overall but uh so that means you get the first overall pick here and uh mm-hmm. i think i know who you're gonna pick but uh how will you make it official here well let me just put it to you this way i think if the the team that uh, did originally went first of which the Panthers were to redo this draft, I think they'd be fine with uh, having uh, Aaron Ekblad go first. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if we're looking back, I think it's pretty clear Leon Draisaitl is the better player. So that's who I'm going. Of course, um, MVP caliber player. Um, this this year possibly going to become uh, get his first MVP. Uh, you know, I, we were talking about it on stream yesterday actually with uh, Omar and, and Juno, but. Um, I definitely think this year Leon Dreisaitl is the front runner for the MVP. Um, he leads mm-hmm. all players in this draft class in points. Um, and just honestly, uh, it's hard to argue him as being the best player in this draft. Absolutely. And I know Oilers fans like to rub it in the Leaf fans' faces about, oh, we have Leon Dreisaitl and he's better than Austin Matthews. I mean, well, first of all, thank you for pointing out that Austin Matthews is a is is an actual player in the NHL. But, uh, I mean, let me let me just put it to you this way. Dreon Dreisaitl, I think nine, pretty much every team would kill to have him. He's one hell of a player. And he was he was at risk of being potentially a yet another victim to the Oilers' uh, draft misfortunes because of the way that he was handled in his first NHL seasons. If you remember, he was infamously let, uh, not allowed to go to the World Juniors because even though he was on the fourth line, and then shortly after uh, the World Junior started, uh, he was sent down to juniors anyway, which was really bizarre, the treatment that he got uh, in his rookie season. But it's great that he's uh, managed to come out of it uh, just fine. Uh, it's turned to an MVP caliber player. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Edmonton fans are very pleased that they didn't win the draft lottery in 2014. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I'll go with my second overall pick now. Um, and honestly, this player... Um, he could even make his case for first overall even because mm-hmm. this uh the top two in this draft were very very strong and um i'm gonna pick uh of course from the boston bruins david posternock um mm-hmm. a bonafide goal scorer he has the most goals uh, out of anyone in this draft yeah. um and i mean when you get a goal scorer like him like you can't you really can't go wrong and he went uh 25th overall in that draft so he moved up quite a bit in our redraft but uh, that was really a steal, um, given the caliber of player he is. Uh, mm-hmm. That that is uh, that's just a steal for the Bruins. Uh, and, and and honestly, I'm happy with him at, at number two. Absolutely, yeah. You know what's funny? I was watching this uh, YouTube channel the other day called uh, Rob Talks Hockey. Shout out to that channel, by the way. You should. It's 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 a very entertaining channel for uh, hockey content, which is surprisingly very rare to find on YouTube. But like I said, check them out. He was actually talking about David Pashnak, and uh, it was about players that fell. And part of the reason is be if is because he fell due to underscouting or maybe attitude issues. I can't remember what exactly it was. I it's you sh- it's in the video. I'll, I'll see if I can find a link and I'll put it in the episode description. But it's pretty crazy because at the time people recognized that David Pashnak was a potential top uh, five pick maybe top three and they just let him slip all the way to uh towards the end of the first round when this player has quickly shown 
that he is a bona fide goal goal scorer. And he's now, what is it, year four or five? He's already got a Rocket Richard. This guy, this guy's mm-hmm. living for Pasternak. And I will tell you what, as some as much as I do not dislike the Bruins, I can't say I hate Pasternak. Yeah, you you literally can't hate Pasternak. He's a stand up guy, and it that's why when you said you know he fell for attitude reasons or anything like that, like it's just hard to believe because he's just a stand up guy and he's very likable. Um, and he hasn't caused any problems uh, for the Bruins at all. So you know it's crazy to think about that. If that was the, uh, if that was the reason behind it, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and and quick fun fact, I I think it's just crazy how good Boston drafts because I, while I was doing a little scouting for this, uh, I I realized um, Posternock on the on Boston's first line, Posternock's the highest drafted player on that first line of. Pasternak, uh, Marshawn, and Bergeron. So uh, that I think that speaks volumes to the Bruins' uh, scouting success. That's uh, yeah. You know, in the next next week when we do the 2015 draft, uh, well, the Bruins fans are going to have to shield their eyes because they really missed out on potentially having an even deadlier team mm-hmm. than they currently have. Uh, we'll save that talk for next week, but uh, safe suffice to say, uh, I think they're pretty happy with Pasternak. Mm-hmm. But can't fault the Bruins. They, uh, if anything, 2015 was the year they took a step back, but then they were still able to just jump right back into, you know, leading the league once again. Absolutely. So I'm going to go next with the third overall pick. And uh, I have to say, kudos to the Tampa Bay Lightning for uh, finding these hidden gems late in the draft. Because Braden Point is really quickly jumping up the the draft leaderboards and he should have been taken much higher than he really was if it wasn't for the fact that he was like what five nine five ten he would have been like a top 10 pick so that's just a long drawn answer of saying Braden point Mm -hmm. and again Braden point um i think uh i have to look at this after we do the draft but he'll probably be one of the highest jumps um in terms of draft order in this uh draft i believe he went uh he went in the late 70s i think in this draft uh let me just look 79th overall and uh yeah what a steal of course we know the Tampa Bay Lightning has always been able to find success in uh scouting and Steve Eiserman has been doing a great job but uh yeah definitely this uh I think just shows how great that scouting department is absolutely yeah I think uh just the fact that uh this is yet another case of a player who is a bit smaller Finding success in the NHL really just speaks volumes to uh, how much uh, teams underestimate uh, smaller players. Like it's we we think that these problems have gone away, but they continue. This continues to be uh, of an issue with scouts. So I hope I hope uh, more more players like uh, Braden Point make it to the NHL and prove that uh, you don't have to as long as you doesn't matter what your size as long as you can play. A hundred percent. So. Uh... I'll move on to my fourth overall pick. And uh, honestly, with my fourth overall pick, when I was doing my uh, scouting, uh, I think I narrowed it down to two players. And uh, honestly, for me, I feel like you can go either way with these two players uh, in this number four spot. But, uh, I mean, you'll probably take the next, the one I'm not taking next. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Toronto's own William Nylander. Ooh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Nylander... Of course, we know he had that shaky season last season, um, but he if if we forget about that season because this season he's really taken a step forward, and it's honestly really upsetting to see 
you know, the season come to there be shortened because he was on pace for his best season yet. Um, he could have potentially hit 70 points this season. So he is uh, a consistent uh, 60-point scorer, and uh, I think he's, he works great with Toronto. And, um, again, like like I said, you can go either way. Um, I'm guessing you'll probably take this next player next, but um, I've, I feel comfortable picking Nylander here. Yeah. Uh, this past season was great to see because I know there's a lot of people that were doubting Nylander could uh, recover from a, such a disastrous the contract negotiations in terms of the fact that it took right until the last minute to get signed and then his play really fell off because he was never able to fully catch up until towards the end of the year but like kudos, like kudos to Nylander for coming back with arguably his best season his first 30 goal campaign he might have been uh, on pace to hit 40 if, if he if enough time had passed and he got on a hot streak because like I mean look mm-hmm. at Mika Zibinijad he had a five goal game right before the season was paused and he got right there with 40 goals. I think mm-hmm. Nylander was, could have been on that Cups as well if enough games were played. For sure. So, great season for him. 100%. All right, we'll keep things moving. Uh, keep this draft going. Out of good yeah, pace. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, this is tough. See, there, I could take the guy that you're thinking I was going to take, but there's a guy that just, just it keeps falling and is not a four. He's a defenseman. I think I think I know who you're talking about. The former first overall pick, Aaron Ekblad. Nice, nice. Uh yeah, I had him going right after the player who I said. Um but yeah, I think the numbers 4 to 6 are very close either way. But mm-hmm. Ekblad, yeah, I know um he came out swinging like right away uh in the fir- in his first few years, he came out, you know, genuinely looking like he'll become a star defenseman. Although he's taken a, a step back, I think I still think he's a very solid defenseman, and, uh, and also because he plays in Florida, it could possibly be that he's slightly underrated as always, just from the market mm-hmm. he plays in. Yeah, exactly. And but kudos to Aaron Ekblad; he's really uh, stepped his game. Like last year, he had thirty-eight, thirty-seven points, very consistent in his point production. This year, he actually surpassed his career highs in points with forty-one, but it's also because he had thirty-six assists. So, I mean, the concussions have definitely hindered his game somewhat, but you can't deny that Aaron Eckblad is a hell of a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And the fact solid. that he's big and shoots right, most teams would be drooling at the idea of even potentially getting him if and he that, somehow became available. And that he looked like a 28-year-old when he was 18. <laughs> <laughs> his beard, man. And even on the, on the draft night, I was like, so like, this guy does not look like he's 18. <laughs> It's oh, absolutely crazy. For sure. Um, but, yeah, with, I guess with my sixth overall, I guess I get both uh, players I was uh, kind of debating about. But uh, I'll, I'll explain my my uh, my reasoning here. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to take uh, Dylan Larkin with uh, with the sixth pick. Um, I thought you were going to take him at fifth, but I had him at fifth. But he has been, uh, honestly, a, a great player for the Red Wings. Honestly, the brightest spot on that Red Wings team. Uh, the struggling Red Wings team right now. Um, yeah. Honestly, just a great player overall. I remember in his rookie season, he made the all-star game, but uh, he unfortunately kind of had a unfortunate uh, second half of that season where he only finished with 45 points. Um, but he still, like last season, he had his best season and he scored 73 
points and, and, and 32 goals as well. So he, he is a 32 goal scorer. But the reason I chose Nylander over him is because um, other than that 73 point season last season, Larkin has also had a only one 60 point season. Um, and mm-hmm. he's played a, an extra season over William Nylander. And in those first two seasons, he's only scored 45 and 32. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I can't say he's a, you know, a consistent 60 point scorer yet. And considering this season, uh, Nylander has been playing, uh, like he's, he's been putting up more points and playing, been playing at a better pace, uh, than Larkin. I mean, props to Larkin. He's doing, he's still put up 53 points on a Red Wings team. That's at the bottom of the league. Um, yep. but yeah, I felt comfortable taking Nylander ahead of him, but I'm glad that, uh, I could still pick up, uh, Larkin here sixth overall in our redraft. Absolutely. And don't get it twisted. It was tough to let Larkin uh, go because Larkin, I think it has the potential to be an excellent two-way forward Mm -hmm. in the NHL. I think he could even be the next captain of the Red Wings. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think so too. It's funny. There's this YouTube channel, another YouTube channel. I keep saying YouTube channels (laughs) on this this stream today. What was his name? Man of the Red. Shout out to him. Absolute legend for EA's uh, NHL super funny please guys watch his stuff he did a career sim of dylan larkin and for some reason he becomes a multiple time selkie trophy winner now is that going to actually happen i don't know but i mean you look at a guy like bergeron who's i mean not a not really big as big as uh, larkin is but kind of a similar play style and i think when the red wings do finally uh make the return to contention in a couple of years i think dylan larkin will be right there potentially on the second, maybe first line, providing great two-way play. Detroit's got a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, so you're, you're up with your seventh pick? Yes. Okay. Um, well, there's pretty much no debate with this one. I think this one's a pretty easy decision. Uh, Winnipeg Jets forward, Nikolai Ehlers. Mm-hmm. Um, as expected, but definitely he's been a very solid, uh, a very solid uh, player for the, uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, honestly, you can't go wrong with that pick. Yeah. I think for him, like he's essentially similar to William Nylander, but maybe not. Oh, you know what? Actually, because his numbers, he's played a little bit more. He's got a few more points than Nylander, but uh, no, he's like about the same. Mm -hmm. I think he's about the same as Nylander. I feel like he's been, he's, he's been a little more up and down. Like last season, he, he didn't really have the greatest season. But he's still a consistent 20-goal scorer, which is obviously always needed on a team. Yeah. And here's the thing. Left-wingers are surprisingly harder to come by in the sense that not many players want to play the left wing. They're more willing to play the right wing. But uh, I think in terms of left-wingers go, Nikolai Ehlers is definitely up there. He's one mm-hmm. of the best left-wingers in the NHL. For sure. Um, I'm going to move on to my, what are we, eighth overall pick now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, With my eighth overall pick, uh, I think we're seeing probably the biggest drop in our redraft right now um i'm gonna take uh from the buffalo uh sabers sam reinhardt who originally went wow. second overall wow. um that's a good yeah. choice uh i was just looking into him and like really looking into his uh play because obviously he's i i assume they they um they hope for him to be you know the jack eichel of their team in 2014 but unfortunately he wasn't but they still ended up with jack eichel um but you know, he's still an effective player on their team. And uh, last season, he put up 65 points in, in 82 games. And remember, as I was saying, you know, those 20-goal scores are very 
still needed on their teams, and he's put up uh, 20 plus goals uh, the last three seasons. So I think yeah. a safe pick. Um, I think and at what are we number eight? I think number eight would be a great uh, spot for him to go. Absolutely, and don't get it twisted. Sam Reinhart uh, hasn't really developed into that bona fide top line center that the Buffalo Sabres thought they were getting out of him, but. Even as a, as a second-line center, that's still a really good player. And mm. if he decides to stay on the top line with uh, Jack Eichel, alongside hopefully Jeff Skinner next year, that's a pretty decent first line for Buffalo, I have to say. And Buffalo had something good in 2018-19 with that line. And it's a shame that they broke them up this past year because Jeff Skinner, you saw, really struggled when separated away from Eichel. And that Buffalo team should be better than the record shows, but... I mean, when hopefully they have a bit more depth to their team, I think Sam Reinhardt would be better fitted as a second-line center, as a playmaker, and I think that that's a good thing to have on your second line, a good playmaker. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. So uh, you're up with number nine. Here's, I think, is going to be the biggest jump in the draft with the player that I'm going to be taking next. And uh goes without saying, he's uh, quickly developing into a top goal scorer, and that's Victor Arvidsson. Yep. Arvidsson is he I would say again another gem in this draft I think he went really really late in this uh I'll get the exact numbers soon but he went really late in this uh draft and uh to the to the Preds he went 112 so that's another big jump I think probably the biggest jump Mm -hmm. here uh even bigger than points but um yeah he went really low and and honestly has been putting up really good numbers uh for the Preds and uh, we do know the Predators have been up and down recently, but he was there uh, for the their uh, you know their Stanley Cup run and, and those couple years that they were at the top of the league, and uh, he had really good seasons then. And this year he kind of dipped uh, a little, but uh, he's definitely still a reliable player. And I mean, even last season he put up thir- uh, thirty four goals, so you know you can't go wrong with that. Absolutely, yeah. Victor Arvinson, I think when you put him alongside Philip Forsberg. The Predators have some really good scores on their team. Like, Predators are, are one of the more underrated offensive teams. But this year, obviously, they really struggled offensively. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with the system that they currently have. Like, it's, it's a well-built team. Like, the Predators have always done a consistent job and have consistently made in the playoff conversation for so long. Like, you got to applaud them for that. Mm-hmm. 100%. And uh, I believe I'm up with my uh, last pick, number yep. 10th overall. And uh, honestly, it, we'll, we'll get into it with the uh, honorable mentions, of course. But uh, there are just a lot of good players here to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I narrowed it down to, I think I'm going to go with uh, Jacob Vrana from uh, the Washington Capitals. Excellent choice. Very, uh, I'd say even underrated in a way because, uh, of course, Washington's a very good team with a, a lot of bright spots uh but uh, he's been he's been very effective for them and a, and a reliable player really. Absolutely, in his yeah. role, yeah. He's definitely have has really come along in the last couple of years mm-hmm. since that Stanley Cup he's, run. Yeah, he's uh, been trending upwards. I think uh, Washington has another quality player in their uh, their team. One thing I think the Capitals deserve credit for is their uh, their excellent scouting of uh, international players, mm-hmm. like especially European and Russian players. Like some of their best players in franchise history have been both Swedish and Russian, mm-hmm. and in this case now a Czech, who's mm-hmm. uh, going to have a solid, um, solid career. I like, mean, gotta give Washington credit for that. <laughs> I mean, let's not also forget uh, 
Phil Forsberg, who was drafted oh, by well, Washington, course, but unfortunately traded. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if you want to count him, but yeah, that's um, props to their to their coach. I mean, their scouting staff that they probably want to forget now. Yeah. Well, let me put you this way. I think the Capitals would have had more cups if they kept uh, Phil Forsberg, or maybe yeah. they would have won the cup <laughs> earlier than they did. Yeah. So uh, that's our... Uh, that's our uh, top 10, uh, our redraft of the 2014 NHL draft. Um, yeah. Let us know what you think. We will tweet, as always, we'll tweet out um, a graphic with it. Um, yep. And uh, next week we'll do the uh, 2015 draft. But before we before we sign off, uh, honorable mentions quickly because this draft was full of great players. Yep. Um, uh, I've, I'll start off first. A few names off the top of my head. Uh that I think just were really close to be top 10 potential. Kevin Fiala mm-hmm. uh, having an excellent season in Minnesota. Nick Schmaltz uh, also playing really well. Robbie Fabry. Mm-hmm. Yep, Robbie Fabry. Yep. Brandon yep. Montour, uh, I think an underrated defenseman on Buffalo. Andre Casse, who's a, a player that I think a lot of people were mad the Boston Bruins got in the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one, Victor Olofsson had mm-hmm. an excellent rookie season this year. Underrated fit fantasy pickup. Danton Heinen as well, another uh, underrated uh, player. Very good. Yeah. Um, Oscar Lindblom too. Mm-hmm. Sam Bennett, who uh, of course, uh, I mean, he he would have kind of dropped in our draft a lot, but uh, still an effective player. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Tony D'Angelo. I know there's a lot of controversy around him, but uh, definitely uh, he's still a, an effective player for the Rangers. I'll leave it at that. Yes, of course. Um, and and uh i mean toronto's own uh casper captain yep and of course uh can't forget about pierre angle the giraffe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh there i mean a few more even uh thatcher demko nick ritchie um those are uh, hayden flurry those are some good uh good players as well honestly so, i think this draft has potential to be another deep draft mm-hmm. some quality players were taken here yeah, a lot of quality players, a lot of regular NHL uh, NHLers that we see. Of course, and uh, one more, Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so next week we will do the 2015 draft, which will be uh, definitely be it'll definitely be interesting because that also I think, I mean we said 2013 might be one of the deepest drafts or one of the best drafts, but 2015 is also looking as one of the best drafts. Um, absolutely with the amount of talent up front and in the later i mean in the first round just in the first round in general a lot of talent there so uh we'll see how that goes i mean i think we already know who the first overall pick will be still but a lot <laughs> can change after that <laughs> oh absolutely yeah guys definitely looking forward to that one i'm already excited just thinking about it 100 mm-hmm. percent. so uh with that we will uh sign off thank you guys so much for listening uh yeah as always uh I'm Matthew. You can catch me uh, or follow me on Twitter. Send us questions um, on Twitter at uh, mine is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And of course, as always, mine is at the Leafs IMO. Uh, catch my, uh, tr- I'm trying to be more creative with the content lately. Uh, if you're interested in some funny stuff, uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. I've been taking a little break from Twitter, honestly, just going on a few times a day, really. Or if, uh, you know, big news breaks out or something like that. But Yeah, uh, no, of course. Also, Respect. shout out to uh, on Twitch. Check me out on Twitch, uh, Matt Rodrigo. Um, we, me and Michael both stream uh, together uh, with uh, a couple of our friends, and I'm trying to do some more stuff with that. And, uh, yeah, just come come watch us. Uh, I'll tweet out the link if, if I am 
uh, streaming, uh, or if we're, we are, we play like, you know, so far we've been playing Fortnite and COD, but hopefully we branch out into some other stuff. Yes, we got some big plans coming up, mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that. For sure. Um, so with that, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Take care, guys.